This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And this episode is brought to you by Audible. So stay tuned through our episode to get your deal on Audible with an Audible trial. Before we get into the topic of today, let's talk about just some things going on within Halo as always. So first and foremost, 343 Industries and Microsoft have been able to raise over $200,000 for COVID-19 relief. So that's Really cool seeing a lot of companies Mm -hmm. take initiative like that. Moving on from that, Halo 2 and Halo 2A PC flights are going on right now. So, again, that's really cool. You can find a bunch of streamers doing it or some videos on YouTube. It's, as we expected, as beautiful as always. And then, finally, there was a Megablocks release of this Hunter that's gray and red-ish, so people are... And I'm not even joking. People are are saying that it's confirmed that the Banished will be an infinite. I swear this could be a whole different rant that we do for a bonus episode we're not going to right now. But until Microsoft or 343 Industries says otherwise, take anything like that with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. But moving on from that, we are diving into the second book of the Greg Bear Forerunner trilogy. We are going to cover Primordium. And the book was published by Tor Books. And the story is told from the perspective of Chakas after he was released from the capture of the Master Builder. That was like two-thirds of the way or three-fourths of the way into Cryptum. But... After he was released, he finds himself on a Halo ring, and he's also trying to find some answers about everything that's going on. It was published January 3rd, 2012, and the audiobook is narrated by Tim Dadabo, the voice of 343 Guilty Spark. So I thought that was a really cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. Because it's odd that his voice, you would think a guy that voice acts Guilty Spark would have kind of a higher voice, but he has a, a deeper voice almost. He almost sounds like the narrator of uh, Ancient Aliens. That's just a completely uh, (laughs) off-topic comment, but he really I had to Google it just to make sure. And to give you a quick recap about the author, Greg Bear is an American writer from San Diego, California. He is the recipient of five Hugo Awards and two Nebula Awards. He single-handedly has written over 50 books, and he has also worked as a freelance journalist, lectured at schools and the FBI headquarters, consulted at Microsoft and Google, and was Master of Ceremonies at the Homeland Security Conference in Washington, D.C. in 2008. And of course, there was there was way more to that list. Go to our Cryptum episode if you want to hear all the weird things that he's done, weird but cool things. And to give you some background on Primordium, Bear would take no time off right after completing Cryptum, and he jumped straight into writing Primordium. Keep in mind, though, Bear, Frank O'Connor, Kevin Grace, and Eric Robb spent months creating and ironing out the story, so it wasn't hard for Bear to continue kind of where he was leaving off. Yeah, they worked on the overall story and highlights and then sectioned it off, essentially. Yeah, so they already had the outline for it. Pretty polished up already. Mm-hmm. And on July 19th, 2011, Tor Books would announce the title, cover art, and release date for the book. The cover art was taken from Halo 4 concept art created by Nicholas Sparth Bouvier. October 12, 2011, Bear would complete the book and submit it to Tor Books. On December 28, 2011, 
the first chapter of the book would be available on Tor Books website and Halo Waypoint. Chapters 2, 3, and 4 would later be posted on Halo Waypoint before the release of the book. Kotaku was also given a five-minute preview of the book narrated by Tim Dadabo. Uh, rest in peace, Kotaku. <laughs> when it came to writing Primordium, Bear had this to say. I'm having great fun working through the action and growing mysteries in Halo Primordium. As humans engage in epic odyssey across a damaged, war-torn Halo facing the Flood, rogue AIs, and the stunning testament of the last precursor. Spoilers, Bear, come on. This is classic science fiction territory for me, and it's a terrific opportunity to work with the 343 team and contribute through these books to both future games and the Halo universe in general. He would, however have some difficulty writing the second novel, stating, these guys have a meeting about every single name and word in every single book and game. To help promote the book, Bear would go on a book tour, visiting bookstores and universities to sign copies of Primordium from January 5th to January 9th, 2012, traveling from Seattle, Washington, all the way to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And now to wrap this all up, let's just throw some additional trivia in there. So it was... Greg Bear's son's idea, actually, to have Bornsteller to have a human companion. So this idea that found its way in Cryptum would then kind of lead its way into having their own story in Primordium. So then moving on from that, Bear is unsure how Bungie feels about the books and lore since he's only ever met with Bungie one time before he started writing the books. So it's... It's interesting to me that he is thinking, he's like, I wonder what these guys who created this lore feel about me coming in, like, and, you know, not really necessarily getting their seal of approval. Yeah, and it's understandable coming from it. I mean, because he wrote a really good trilogy that I think everyone really enjoys. So <laughs> I'm really glad that he's checking in on it. <laughs> so the book is dedicated to Claude Herrera, the founder of Halo.Bungie.org, and finally, Tim Dadabo said he had difficulty staying focused on narrating the book since he has ADD, but still managed to do 20 different voices for all the characters. Jumping into who we're going to see in this book, we of course are going to see Mendicant Bias, 343 Guilty Spark, we're going to return on Shakas, one of the humans that was with Bornsteller, Day Chaser makes Paths Long Stretch Morning, Return of Riser, we're going to finally get an idea of who the Primordial is, we're going to also see Venevra. Gamelpar, Crimped, Gene Mender, Folder of Fortune, Mara, Forthensho, Yaprin, Yaprikushma, Born Stellar Makes Eternal Lasting, and the Ur Didact. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> try saying half of those names five times fast. So moving on, what little backstory there is about writing this book, we now know we've introduced you to the characters and their confusing names. So that being said, let's dive into the summary of the book itself. Mm -hmm. So it starts out, we have this Oni team, and they're talking with a Forerunner AI. It's damaged, they don't know much about it, but he decides that he's going to go into his uh, life story. This kind of reminds me of, I can't think of the one from Evolutions. Where the ODST finds the other ODST and he's like, listen here. Oh, when he's in he's, he he's the dying. crash site? Yeah, he's like, I'm going to give you my life listen, story. Listen, rookie, we only got 10 minutes. I'm going to give you about an hour and a half of backlog here. <laughs> and then you're going to run because I'm going to detonate this nuke. That's what, right before I die, I want to give my backstory. I want to I tell my life story. To, to just whoever's around? <laughs> yeah. So if it's the unfortunate nurse... They're going to find out real quickly about my life. But moving on from that. So he decides that he's going to go into, you know, his backstory about his life. 
and you find out that this is actually Chakas, mm-hmm. you know, as we said, who was introduced to us in Cryptum. So it goes into the backstory about how he's from Air to Tyrene, which is Earth. And so it talks about how he kind of, I want to call it a life of crime. He was just kind of a thug. He would go and rob people. and Yeah, he figured out, I think early on that he was strong and he can kind of strong arm people. So he became a pickpocket sneak thief and just an all around just, you know, sewer rat type kid. Troubled, troubled youth. Mm-hmm. But that's fine because he eventually finds himself meeting Riser. And Riser's like, hey, come work with me, kid. I'll show you the ropes, and and this way you can kind of stay out of trouble. But he also has sisters that are are like servants in this this church that worships a librarian, and so he's trying to save up money, I think, to get them out of out of this service. And then this is when it kind of then leads into okay, well, that's when I met Born Stellar. We got mixed up in this didact crap, and then. We find ourselves now to almost like the present day of mm-hmm. the story is when he's on that ship with the master builder and he sees the didact. He's with Riser as well and he sees Born Stellar and Born Stellar and the didact get taken away. And all of a sudden, Chakas finds himself on a surface of something. He's on some kind of planet, he thinks at the time. Mm-hmm. Initially, he kind of wakes up, comes to, he's like, What's going on here? And we realize pretty quickly he says that he he sees like the the terrain of where he's at just keep kind of going up and up and up and it's above him and that's when we realize like uh oh he's on a halo ring what's he doing on a halo ring how did he survive how did he get away from the master builder tune in next week and we will tell you all these answers <laughs> <laughs> yes but then he it, it turns out that he's end up being found by this human girl named Venevra but we kind of see it's this very tribal town. And people are crowding around him and he's, you know, they're saying he came from this glass pod thing, which, you know, is the assumption that that was his forerunner armor yeah. that, that was dropped down or whatever mm-hmm. stasis field they dropped him from. And most of them are saying, no, don't, don't go buy him. The forerunners, because they're giving a little bit of background about the human forerunner conflict. It's mm-hmm. so like, no, some of them were taken out. They're going to think that we did all this. Leave him here to die. Like, let him be. We can't handle this. But then, of course, she like comes to the age. She's like, no, let's go help him. Brings him to her tent or whatever it is, and tends to him and is like, "Hey, you're you're doing okay. You got some chap lips. Here you go. Boop boop boop." <laughs> uh, she gave him. Uh, I was gonna say the name brand of that chapstick. Listex. Uh, yes, I, I. Or just chapstick. <laughs> I thought I'd be more. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, moving on. Would you like a Kleenex <laughs> or a Band Aid? <laughs> well, well. Also, she mentions that Venevra isn't her real name. That's just what she goes by. Yeah, she has a different name that she just want to mention to him, but he's like, all right, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to start doing that now. Be like, uh, my name's John. I mean, it's not my real name, but you're going to call me John because I just met you and I don't know you yet. Here is, all right, sounds good. <laughs> and she talks about how she also has her grandfather, Gamelpar. Mm-hmm. And so... He's like, they're, they're kind of explaining, like he's like the old man of the woods. Kind of, Yeah. And, and like, can't, no one likes him in town. It's something weird like that. He's got a gimp leg. I don't know. I, I will say this whole old scenery of, like, kind of within the Stone Ages evolving on from that. It reminds me of, have you ever seen the original Stargate? Mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of when they go to that society almost a little more advanced than that. It's what pops in my head. Yeah, because Greg Bear breaks it down throughout this book, especially, talking about how 
Shakas is different than Riser, who's different than Fenevrin, just because they're they're like different homo or whatever homo species it was yeah. at the time. Because they're basically saying Riser came from like Hawaiian Pacific Island area. Yeah. And Shakas is just general human. <laughs> general <laughs> human. You know, so it's it's there he doesn't I mean I I will say he does a job at explaining these things and yeah he because he references back to real life history so these subspecies of human humans all did exist yes and, and i think a little bit a little bit of that is told through the ai that we're meeting throughout the story in mm-hmm. present day who's kind of like oh you would know it as hawaii you would yeah. know it as australia yeah. the the place that you call like okay okay yeah and, and that makes sense and i like it it's just for such a futuristic book it's really interesting to have such a clash of culture of the foreigners that are this advanced alien species pretty much Mm -hmm. that are kind of dabbling and messing around with these humans that have had to restart after they've pretty much been wiped yeah but so we learned a little bit about just this group of people and we found out that you know it's a halo ring that has people but the master builder took over and he has this thing called the palace of pain i can't remember if this was brought up in cryptum i don't think it was uh sorry the the specifics of how the palace of pain got there just the name in general no i I think it was only in this one and i do like that we're in like the attitude era of wwf wwe (laughs) and so now we have the palace of pain here (laughs) this does sound like a undertaker gimmick for sure this is like oh this is hell in a cell but it's like a whole different the, name the for it. Palace of Pain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So it, it describes how people go in there. They're taken by the forerunners. They go in there, and then when they're returned, they're not really the same. They're, like, docile. They mm-hmm. kind of seem, like, lost. So he does some kind of experiments on them, and they, they kind of bring up the flood. Yeah, and so they, they, they kind of talk about that because they, they end up meeting Gamalpar in the woods, and he kind of talks about, like, whoa. I forgot he literally, like, is, like... Out there. Oh, he's out there. and Because like, they approach him, and this section was, oh, was yeah. so odd. It was like a weird vision quest time, and like, Gamelpar was like, I know Erda. I could tell you're from there. I've never been there, but... I know it. I know it. I know it. You have the fish of the water, and the cloud of the sky, and you have seasons. <laughs> it's told very just like blatantly native stereotypical speak i guess you would say yeah and they talk for a bit and he also kind of convinces um the whole group of the three of them now uh gamble park uh convinces them that like shakas is cool he's a legit humano you know he's from there a lot of us have that who were here were from air day we got pulled here to go to the palace of pain this sunday uh, to see who wins the bell. <laughs> uh, no, so, so, so he brings it up. He's like, all right, we'll do your quest. Like, we'll figure out what's going on. Now, this is also where I get very confused. Two things. One, we realize that there is, uh, what we learn is that a past human that's talking inside of Shakas. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden, it, it, there's no real explanation. It's just all of a sudden, he starts hearing this voice talking to him. Yeah, and he's very concerned because it it takes over. Like, it has the ability to, like, take over and mm-hmm. really do, like, take over his body, take over his voice, multiple things. He can squash it down, but we learned that he's, like, the admirals of admirals. So he's, he's like, the top admiral. The ghost inside of him. The ghost inside of him. Mm-hmm. And that he's 
trying to, to bring out and be like, hey, let me talk with this old guy. Because then the old guy realizes, like, oh, you've got a ghost inside you too? Yeah. Like, and they even talk about, like, everyone there has a ghost inside of them. And didn't they even say that there could be more? Yeah, and that, that you can have multiples inside of you. and Because we kind of learn that the librarian is kind of storing them in them. That, that's kind of like their deus, like their 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 mission is also to house these. To, to, yeah, and like the the Lord of Admirals never really has anything constructive to say to him almost. It, it's almost like he's kind of like the devil on the shoulder. Yeah. And there's no angel. He's just the devil like in his ear. But I get it, man. I mean, storage space is rough. Like, hey, it is. Hey, we're, but, we're starting to run out of places to put stuff right now. Just slap so. in our brain. This part, this is probably my favorite part of the book because it does give a really not not subtle, really poignant nod to AIs and how like Chief imp- implants it into his head and like has someone in his head and that humans always kind of have that same repetition pattern even mm-hmm. after things are wiped out from the rings. It all kind of all comes back to history it. repeats itself exactly yeah. and it, and it's you know humans kind of like destiny to have this same type of deal. Because we'll learn later of like why humans became the top, quote unquote, species. I guess you would say, yeah, uh, of 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 the universes. But it's just interesting. I, I like that they had that. Mm-hmm. It, it it doesn't do much for me for the story. I guess it does advance it later on. But just listening to the audiobook and just listening to like Gollum in his head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Tim Tadabo does a very, and he has like a lisp too. Yeah, he does a lisp with it. <laughs> I was like, that's Gollum. As I said, I, I love Tim Todabo's voice acting on this. It's it's very clear that he is a master of mm-hmm. his art. And, and sorry to jump in. One other thing, because I was talking about the, the two-fork thing, kind of having the AIs in you. Second is, now we begin this journey to uh, across the halo that was just so muddled for me. Yeah, and I mean, we had plenty of people in our Discord tell us and I, I I honestly thought I'm sorry I thought a lot of you were exaggerating you weren't they're like yeah there's like 40 or 50 pages of them where they just walk through like the desert and I was like okay that's not that's a little exaggerated no there is so much of it where it just talks about how they 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 get to this point mm-hmm. okay well now we have to rest for a little bit Okay, let's wake up. Okay, now we have to go find water. So now we're literally drinking water out of like these little dips and rocks and we're yeah. finding berries and we're killing rabbits and rabbits and, yeah. and rats and all this stuff and then we're moving on. Okay, now now in this whole entire time Gamelpar is just like dying, I guess, like and they keep talking about how he can barely keep or, or they think he's going to die soon, but yet he keeps keeping up no matter what, no matter what. He just he's trucking along. And eventually, I think the first interesting thing that breaks us up is that because this this book almost reminds me of the first Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, because it's it's all that traveling. Something happens more travel. Mm-hmm. Something happens. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where I think a lot of this was pulled from, like a lot of this book mm. reminisced on the Lord of the Rings trilogy and taking parts of that, because to go back a little bit, whenever they met up with Gamalpar, so Venevrin has a Gias, um, which I guess is like a, a leading spirit, uh, a hunch, like a it's, it's like a gut feeling almost. Yeah, and because that's what uh, Riser and Chakas, their Gias made them lead Born Stellar to the Cryptum mm-hmm. and sing that song and go to that trance. So it's almost like a piece of code that's put into you, and it has a multitude of purposes. Yeah, and, and obviously some have AIs because you know we're seeing the Lord of Admirals and Chakas, mm-hmm. but with this, it was kind of decided. 
uh, I'm going to follow, we should follow this because I believe it'll lead us to safely. It'll lead us away from the Palace of Pain. Mm-hmm. It'll lead us to the other side of the halo where no one really goes to this lost city, which wasn't lost, but no one goes there is what they're saying. Yeah, but weren't there people there? Didn't they get there? Correct me if I'm wrong. I remember that's where we see uh, the prime, the primordial. Yeah, so so there were people there and they discover it because they discover bodies. So, so we're done with our Lord of the Rings arc. We're for, going through. For a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we've lost Boromir. And, well, we haven't lost Boromir yet. We're going to lose that in a second. <laughs> but, but they make their way to this town. It, it, it's kind of like a sunken city, right? I believe so. Because they have to come in by boat. Because, like I said, I, we listened to this and took notes as we went, but it's it's a lot to kind of go through when you're like, they went here, they went here. Now they're on a boat they found. Yeah, and then they describe seeing these creatures in the water. This part did give me the heebie-jeebies because, fun fact, I have a huge phobia of open water Mm -hmm. in general. So this part gave me some kind of anxiety the whole entire time when they talked about it. It's like, this is a crocodile, but he has a fin and the water's murky, so we can't really see it. And I was like, oh, my God, skip this part, please. Yeah, because they really couldn't tell what it was. My feelings, too, because I knew that they were coming up to the primordials. Like, uh, Sorry, to go back a little bit, they were made their way to this other town where the Gias was leading them. Gias, Gias, whatever you want to say with that. But they discover that they're actually at another Palace of Pain, and they're actually really being led there kind of by the Primordial. Mm -hmm. And I believe they look upon them because they're like, oh, it's like a six-legged creature. Arachnid creature that's Mm -hmm. on this this disc Mm -hmm. that's kind of floating because he's lazy, he doesn't want to walk. Of course, I wouldn't either if I had a floating disc. (laughs) Yeah, and they realize that that, that Gias couldn't even be trusted. And she she had believed this her whole life, that like that's her life's calling, is to, yeah. to go here. And she agrees, like, no, you we can't do this. And then they go on some more walking a little bit, but then they make their way to this lake. And she even says, she's like, if, if for whatever reason I start to go over there, like, please kill me. Yeah, because there's even one or two times where she... She almost like runs off a cliff mm-hmm. almost because she's just following her geas. And that's like, it's very obvious that it's it's almost like this animalistic drive more or, than anything with her. Or she's like playing Grand Theft Auto and was just following a waypoint. It's like, I'm not using the road. Just go off that cliff <laughs> <laughs> and just try to get to where she's got to go. And just <laughs> hit the parachute in time and hope she doesn't like die. Yeah. You just got to eat those P's and Q's. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so then that's when they, they find themselves in that, that murky area afterwards Mm -hmm. and don't they find themselves like in some kind of cave well it's actually kind of so it it reminds me of king's landing in game of thrones whenever they have like the back entrance it's like a cave beach area they kind of land on something like that but it's like a crumbling human city Mm -hmm. and they're going around and i believe that they come across what should have been people or activity and they're finding that there's not it's 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 really odd yeah, and this is this isn't the where they find I guess a, a proto grave mind, and mm-hmm. it's and it's one of those things. This part was a little confusing because it's like they kind of see it and then they kind of like tiptoe away, even though proto grave minds I don't think are active correct at this time within the lore. They were they were kind of like what we saw in in Combat Evolved. So they kind of see it and they're like back away slowly, and then they just move on yes yeah, so they, they exit back out because they do realize it's a forerunner cell mm-hmm. so they do realize the forerunners have been here and they were putting this together but they're also like it's not for you know it can't be humans in there it's probably forerunners that got eaten up because the forerunners are supposed to be somewhere over here because that's what uh Vinever said is like mm-hmm. humans don't go there like forerunners were there 
we don't go there because it's part of the battle. So it may be a portion of that. We're probably missing something on it, but it, it just was like a thing where, yeah, you're right. They Scooby Doo did it like, do 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 do. Ooh, back mm. it up real quick. <laughs> they get they in just the boat, throw no away. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's no un- unmasking, though, or goofy kind of uh, slapstick comedy that goes along with this. I think they should throw in slapstick comedy because this this book, I mean, the as I said, literally the part where they, they were walking and just to get to this part was a chore. No ifs, ands, or buts. I, it's absolutely it's it's tough once again, i appreciate that they're trying to do this but we talked about this this whole trilogy could be like a really awesome 10 15 minute doc yeah and i could have even said like make it a little more cohesive into one book we're, we're, we're jumping ahead we're jumping ahead to sorry so we're spilling it over because <laughs> this was tough but okay so so they get back across the lake and this is where they're like oh that's a gator Oh, but it's got a fin. Well, whatever. <laughs> you know, because they're that, casual about it. Yeah, because at this point, I thought I'm like swimming flood. Like that's terrifying. And like I thought uh-huh. they're like boat would be attacked or something would happen. But mm. no, there's just big things in the water. Yeah, I mean, was it flood? I don't see. That's the thing. I wasn't sure because it's murky and gross, and I wasn't sure if that had gotten to the wildlife of that God. or how. Because I didn't, I didn't know how to interpret it. Because he's like, that's as big as a gator, but it has a fin. But I didn't think there was anything like that. I hate talking about this. Let's move on. Yeah, because I think <laughs> this broke into the conversation about how the Lifebringer, the librarian, had brought so much wildlife mm-hmm. to these rings to try and preserve it. So it mm-hmm. could be an animal we've never seen. You know, it could be pulled from a whole different area. So who knows? I like to think it's Flood because that's awesome. Yeah. But it's probably just a, a, a gator dolphin. Yeah. But but this is where they... D- <laughs> Gator dolphin. <laughs> this is where they do eventually run into some other humans. So it's it's almost this like mini colony of uh, again another subspecies of humans. Yeah, I think Denisovans. Yeah. It's, it's like a, the the wiped out subculture of like a humanoid from Asia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we have one what they describe as an ape, but it's a, a giganta. What is it? Giganta thippicus. I just said it. Yeah. Is that it? Gigantothicopus? Pithicus. Pithicus, okay. Again, something real, because Greg Bear did spend a lot of time being, you know, saying, I'm, I'm going to bring in real subspecies of humans, ones that died out, whether the race that Riser is was only wiped out like 18,000 years ago, if not sooner. Yeah, because that's kind of like the natives of, like I said, the Pacific Islands mm. and, you know, known by different names. And uh, yeah, and so they come across uh, basically they call it an ape in the book. They yeah, just, they, they, they always refer to it as an ape. I don't think they ever even actually said what the species is. No, but we we learned that it's kind of like a gentle giant because they were like in the woods and they're mm-hmm. like, what is this giant thing chasing us? Well, it, it's one of those things where that's the only thing they kind of hear, but they realize that that the ape, which is Mara, correct, mm-hmm. is the name, can sneak around and basically be unheard and yeah. then show up. So they find themselves in, in this like woody area and all of a sudden they're surrounded and Mara, I think, picks up Chakas and then sets him down because this life worker is like, no, 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 hold on, which he ran away because there's this kind of inner thought throughout the book where he's like, I could totally just ditch this chick and this old dude Mm -hmm. and I could be fine. There's no way I don't know the land as well as they do. They've never been out here either. So chances are I would be better off without them. So I think this is one of those few times where 
he kind of just says screw it and runs, but then Mara, that giant ape, just picks him up. And then the the life worker named Jenna Mentor kind of says, or no. Or Gene Mender, which is the literal name. So I, I did it wrong. Jenna, uh, Jenna Mender. Yeah. <laughs> but Gene Mender. Gene Mender. So it says, hey, put him down. Like, they're fine. So, so they bring him back to this kind of facility. They have. I don't want to call it a facility. It's almost like a sanctuary? Yeah, it's like a sanctuary they're going to. And one thing that they start to talk about that they notice when they're kind of not captured just forcibly relaxing they're like hey we're we're going to feed you and you're going to sleep mm-hmm. please yeah but they, they start to talk and they go you know i don't they don't i don't smell anyone mm-hmm. you know because because that's one of the things that finevering kind of says i really don't i don't smell anyone except for that ape yeah bugs are avoiding everyone else except for the ape and them mm-hmm. and they kind of question it no one really says anything so they're like eh whatever yeah because i think they they even talk about that oh the the bugs don't bother us because that was like the life bringers work is that yeah they like, don't they don't bother us that they only bother like because they're still part of the food system they're like we need them so they feed the birds and the other insects and they feed this and they feed everybody so it's part of it but we're blessed by the, the life bringer that it doesn't affect us yeah well that's not real but mm-hmm. so eventually they, they get there they kind of make themselves at home and it's still kind of concerning that they can't smell them or anything and so at one point while they're just chilling in their i don't want to say bunk their room out of nowhere riser shows up Mm -hmm. like walks up to chakas and is like hey this isn't what it appears to be and then goes and hides behind a chair Mm -hmm. and he literally goes and hides behind a chair because i thought to myself what kind of cover is this chair what hey if it's for the ape that's a big chair (laughs) chakas is a small guy that's that's true but so eventually chakas goes and has a meeting with Jenna Mender and he starts to question things and he notices that there's some monitors around. I think Mm -hmm. at one point they describe a monitor as two meters wide, which I think is about six feet. Six and a half-ish, a little bit less. which I didn't even realize, like, they got that big. But he finally starts to figure things out and to find out that that these are all essences of people here. So they're kind of like projections of Mm -hmm. everyone. Yeah, because... He he talks to Jenna Mender a bit and like starts to ask him questions about the installation, about what happened to the Master Builder, because <clears throat> whenever they kind of left off the Master Builder, it kind of started the Civil War and all this infighting went on. And he starts to really be like, you can't lie to me. Yeah. Like, like you can't say a lie and you also can't answer certain things I'm asking you. Yeah. And that's when he says, you know, like, we kind of let these people out as like these projections so they can socialize and everything. And basically saying, we think Mara kind of knows everyone's fake, but Mara, there's the ape, by the way, needs to socialize as well. Mm-hmm. So she really doesn't mind. Because I think they're saying she's one of the last of her kind. Yeah. And so at that point, Jenna Mender's like, hey, like, let me, let me, you know, you, this isn't part of the Palace of Pain. No one here is going to the, the Palace of Pain, but. You got to let us index you and basically make, you know, steal your soul and do mm-hmm. do what they did. And Chuck's kind of like, uh, no. Yeah. And he realizes like, oh, he doesn't really have a power here. Like he's suggesting that we do it. But at the end of the day, let's, you know, we're just not going to listen to him. We're just going to leave. Yeah. Because even ask, because since it's a modern and it's programming, it can't lie. So he's mm-hmm. like, can you stop me from leaving? He's like, well, 
kind of like redirects the question. Well, we have monitors and stuff. Like, can I leave? He's like, well, yeah, but but I don't want you to please. Yeah. And he, it's just one of those things. He does just stand up and just like walk around the monitors. But at this point, Gamelpar throughout the book, as I said, they were mentioning like, oh, he's kind of sick, he's dying, but yeah, he keeps moving just fine. But I guess when he finally slowed down. He just starts dying all of a sudden. And so the monitor is like, okay, let's index him. And Gamelpar is like, no, 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 I don't want him to steal my soul. Just let me die so my soul can roam. Because Chakas references the religion that humanity has at one point. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, like, this is the right way to do it. Goes in a little bit of that. It's boring, whatever. But they they, they let Gamelpar die. Yeah, because... if the way they kind of describe the characters, like they even like Shakas when he first meets them, says like their skin is is as black as ever. So it's kind of insinuating that these are from African tribes at the time that are around there. So assuming that if we're going off of Lion King lore, he's trying to say that like basically wants the spirit to roam free with the other spirits that are part of where he's from. So from here on out, can we compare everything to Lion King lore and be like, how does this add up to Lion King Yes, lore? I just generalized an entire area and population of ancient people by Lion King. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, so, and this is one of those things where this, he was one of the main characters of the book. Mm-hmm. He dies. Boromir, yes. <laughs> this is our Boromir. <laughs> well, I felt something for Boromir. I was like, God, that sucks. Gimlepart dying. I forgot he died. Yeah, Gamble, well, Gamblepart dies, and there was he was old, and he traveled a lot, and he was eating rats and yeah. I don't and, and berries and rock water. Well, there, there, this book, sorry, personal opinion again, has no sentiment towards his characters. Yeah, because I, I was like, oh, I thought like this was gonna be something crazy, and it wasn't. Like it was just kind of like he dies. He asked Chakas, please watch over Venevra. By the way, I'm going to tell you her real name because you're her guardian now, mm-hmm. so you have to know her real name. Uh, sure. Sure, that's just it. Um, so, Alex, when I get too old to take care of myself, I'll tell you my real name. And then we'll all forget about you. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> because it, he's mentioned, I think, one other time after this. Like, Yeah, and it, it just wasn't a moment of reprieve for me. It wasn't like they, no. didn't, take, they didn't take a breath. They didn't, like... Let's let's sit here. Let's say some kind words. It's like, oh, cool. We got an ape now. Yeah, that's basically it. And one of the biggest things with having, you know, Gamapar pass this time and his little Boromir moment is I don't think he went out knowing what happened at the end of Silentium because we haven't gotten that far yet. Mm-hmm. So you know what you can do to prep for that. What can you do for that? You can check out Audible and get yourself an audiobook today. That's what he should have done. Yeah, so today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible's really awesome right now for all of us having to stay at home, Mm -hmm. stay in, stay away from people. We need some stuff to do. So Audible has this huge, expansive library of audiobooks and programs you can check out. Uh, They have some of their own audiobook editions that are free as part Mm -hmm. of what they've got going on, which is really cool. And like I said... Jesse and I both listen to the audiobooks for the books. We can get through them. So Audible's been helping with that, which is really awesome. So to get your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash finish the fight. And again, that's audibletrial.com slash finish the fight to get a free audiobook, no strings attached, for you today. Thank you again for Audible for sponsoring today's episode. Eventually, Riser does show up, but he's weirdly cautious because he thinks that Chakas is a ghost, so he's like kind of coming up to him and poking yeah. him. This part I did like because he just he 
Chaka drops down to his knees and just just hugs him, and they both embrace each other. Mm-hmm. And then Riser sees that for he doesn't know why, but he sees pain in Venever's eyes. So he just walks over to her and hugs her, and she embraces him because she needs that. Mm-hmm. And this part was cool. I liked this part. This this was like kind of what I should have felt when Gamal Park died, which was literally anything. Yeah, and and, and that was it because we we do see too in this scene as well that Riser can actually communicate with Mara, and this is who mm-hmm. reveals her name. He's like, oh, that's Mara. Yeah. He's like, he's like, we have a dialect that's kind of similar so mm-hmm. like, i understand some of her words she can kind of understand me so we can communicate yeah and at one point doesn't he go off on a story that was just way over my head a- at one point he goes i think like twice he goes on tangents of stories and it's weird and i i, I could barely keep up with it because well, yeah, it was out there he goes on and talks about how he was held on installation 07 mm-hmm. and continues on from there but also tells like the retelling of their meeting back on Air de Tyrene and, and, and yeah. how they came about and all these other things that were with it. So he, you know, did that same thing where he's like, oh, we got to go. But hold on, let me tell you this hour-long story. <laughs> yeah, and it's like he's even almost like he thinks people are getting ready to interrupt, so he, like, stops them from interrupting and then keeps going. It was weird. It's, it is. It's it's interesting. And to give you a little background on the story of it, it's really important, and I think probably one of the most important things that really comes out of the story thus far and Riser basically gives a story about how he was held after the Civil War, which I don't know if I really explain how long it was. It feels like a day. Could be a day. Could be like five years. We don't know. Yeah. Who and, knows? And he was saying after the Civil War, he was kind of locked up with these foreigners that were on the wrong side of it who didn't look too good. And come to find out that they were actually infected uh, with the flood. And from that, you know... They were like, okay, we just need to get rid of Riser. Like, this is now becoming kind of like a medical ship. But they're like, no, 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 no. His gay ass is important. Like, it's leading us. He, we need to keep him. But yeah, after they come, came up to this, this flood biomass that it kind of discovered when they had these prisoners, uh, flood spores start spilling out and attacking and attaching to the foreigners, but leaving Riser alone. Yeah, so that's super odd of, you know, why it attacked and killed foreigners, but left. Riser alone. He's a cute little guy. They're not going to mess with him. Like, cute little guy. You're like a grunt. You're tiny. I don't want to eat you. <laughs> so, so he ends up getting out of there and just traveling until he eventually finds Shotguns. Because that's what the idea was. He's like, how did you find me? How did this come about? I mean, they could have just written it off and like, ah, I'm Riser. I do things. I'm funny. Ah, ha, ha, ha. I'm, Look, I'm the small one. I'm really smart, but I have the vocabulary of a child. Ha, mm-hmm. ah. Who knows? But so after Riser goes into his epic tale of escaping the flood, we find out that he as well has one of those spirits inside of him. Mm-hmm. So Yaprim Yapri Kushma is mm-hmm. this other spirit inside of Riser. And so I guess for reasons, Shakas and Riser are like, let's let our spirits take over. Well, well both spirits were, were asking for it because Ferencho, which is uh, Shakas' spirit, the, mm-hmm. the shipmaster, um, he's kind of like, oh, I, I actually know that name. I know who that spirit is. We need to converse to kind of figure out what happened. I, this part was very confusing to me. They just like, missed each other. Like, what's up, pal? I want to tell you things. Yeah, because Yaprine was also like another really high-ranking human that helped with the war against the Forerunners. Yeah, because I don't know if we've mentioned this. He was the Admiral of Admirals, but Forthencho fought against... Uh, he fought in the human forerunner war against the Didact. Yes, uh-huh, specifically, they were like kind of like 
sworn enemies. Yeah, because because I think the Didact even like he talks in his story the Didact defeats him because you know the mm-hmm. humans lose the war, but I believe he offers him at the time he's you know you are you know an honorable warrior you have fought and I can honor that even though you're my enemy and I will offer you this one thing because they defeat him at, at Sharmakor I will offer you the ability to kind of preserve your personality and memory. And this is where we first really get introduced to the composer, mm-hmm. you know, because I think the, I believe the didact kind of talks about his wife, the librarian mm-hmm. is like, Hey, she's got this cool setup. You know, we want to preserve you guys, even though you're our enemy, we want to preserve you. And so jump into this machine thing here. I got. Yeah. Uh, it- and then to jump back just a little bit, Yuprene was not at, not at odds, with the admiral, but she was the one who first directed that they excavate the precursor ruins and moving the primordial to Sharam Hakor and was like the first to kind of bring it there. Yeah, which is it, it, it? This is one of those situations where there's just kind of information being thrown mm-hmm. left and right. But after they have this conversation, we get kind of this backstory. Isn't this where we see Mendicant Bias again? He kind of comes out of the fold. Yeah, because the Halo itself is is, is non-functioning. So it's, it's been constantly repairing itself, and we see different aspects of the Halo. Because it's talked about earlier, one of the confusing parts, whenever they're on their journey, of like parts of Halo flying over their head and stuff's getting connected. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so we, we then see that the group is led out to this kind of layer almost of mendicant mm-hmm. bias. Yeah. Well, who, we, who we don't know yet. Yeah. We're, it's some kind of layer. And they come to, if I'm correct, and, and they notice that they all have these like dips in their back now. Yeah, little, little, like, like melon ball taken out. Yeah. And so they realize like, oh, my uh, uh, personality or that ghost that was inside of me has been removed because mm-hmm. apparently it's just like a little notch in your back. I don't know. So the next time I get a lump in my back, and I start hearing voices, I'll just assume it's that and that I don't need to go to therapy. Who knows? But but after this, this is where we start to learn that it is, in fact, the evil mendicant bias who was tasked originally with interrogating the the primordial, mm-hmm. the the ancient precursor. That might be jumping ahead, which actually who he is. But anyways, oh, no, we talked about that in Cryptum. But he was tasked with interrogating him. And after decades... The dude actually was like, hey, you should actually just go crazy. We should, like, party, dude. It'll be fine. We should party, rebel against the Forerunners. It's going to be a good time. So he's like, screw it, dude. I have nothing better to do. Well, yeah, because at this point, he's basically going through rampancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's kind of helped, well, spoiler, kind of lead into what happens with Cortana a little bit. But it, it kind of boils down to, like, the, the Primordial's like, hey, you've been with me a bunch, man. You know what you should do? Turn your, like, green. And then when you got a green light on your sweet floating bots, you're working for me now. Uh, yeah, it's essentially what happens. And so this is where Medicaid Bias is like, listen, let's let's like let's fight against the forerunners. I can help you. Mm-hmm. Like, let's take revenge on them. You just gotta help me. You gotta help me make sure that this Halo ring does not get destroyed. That's it. That's that's all I need from you. Yeah, because I really don't remember if, if this is explained. But it's on, like, a doomsday course to collide with the planet. Yeah. And, and this is where he says, you know, I need you. I need Chakas. I need you to connect with the silent cartographer. And it kind of 
it's it's like he doesn't explain it at the time, but it's it's it will like kill him essentially. It's like mm-hmm. you need to connect it, like you need to control it with your body, but to find out this is actually going to mess with you a lot, and like it's actually going to kill you. Again, I don't remember if that's explained or not. So that whole kind of sequence starts, mm-hmm. and it's definitely you're kind of feeling for him as as this is happening. But in the midst of this, he's kind of saved at the last minute. Yeah, because so the way it's kind of going is is it's explained. He he's like going through this crazy euphoria to start it mm-hmm. whenever he gets hooked up, and it's like it's like whenever you get your sweet sleepy drugs, at the doctor if you have to go to surgery, it's like mm-hmm. it hits him, he gets loopy. Count 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 backwards from ten, you get to eight, and then yeah. And so he has that. He has has this out of body experience, but then it's intense pain, mm-hmm. and so we're kind of realizing. Well, you don't realize until later, but his body's basically being ripped asunder as his mind's kind of pulled into the silent cartographer to help mm-hmm. kind of deal with this and move it and, and all these other aspects and help basically help be the security protocol of it because otherwise there's no one running the halo. Yeah. So he does that. Boom. Like the Kool-Aid man, but not really. <laughs> we realize that the didact has made their his way onto that halo because we had learned a little bit earlier that there were ships pursuing them mm-hmm. but they really couldn't do anything because the halo was kind of shut down they're on mm-hmm. a collision course with this planet for some reason that they're going to try and thread that through the eye of their needle like they're going to try to have the planet go th- through the middle of them yeah well th- and keep in mind that this is the the new didact this is the mm-hmm. born seller didact because the the old one died so they had to like kind of specify like this is the new one yeah because you kind of learn because Whenever Shakas kind of wakes up from all this pain and what's going on, he looks, he's like, it's a didact, but it's a familiar face and mm-hmm. younger. Yeah, so it's like this younger didact, what's going on? He's got a cool jacket. He's got a toothpick <laughs> in his mouth. <laughs> cool sunglasses. Yeah. A whole nine yards. But yeah, so the didact comes in, shuts that down, mm-hmm. and realizes like, oh, I just kind of walked into something that I probably am going to regret, but here we are. So that's when they get that that halo ring and they're like okay we're gonna move it back to the ark which i think is the first time we hear about the ark correct me if i'm wrong people on youtube and our discord and twitter but it, it might be talked about but this is the first time no it's talked about in the last one. Oh, is it yeah it's talked about because okay. they're dealing with the ark and 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 where they they are doing their meeting for the yeah foreigner. yeah yeah but okay, they're kind of okay. talking about that that's actually a structure that can repair this mm-hmm. that can take care of because the halo Ends up having the planet go through it. It's a little too wide. It's a little too chunky of a planet. Mm-hmm. So it like kind of rips in the walls. Like, and it kind of like shifts all these plates in the halo. But mm-hmm. it does somehow stay mostly intact. It's just a bit wider now. But after that halo ring, you know, kind of gets a little fatter. Listen, it, it, it has to add some notches to its belt. Mm-hmm. But then it takes away those notches mm-hmm. because all of a sudden now it has to go smaller, which is fine for yeah, reasons. Well, they're, they're taking it back through that portal mm. that was opened up so that they could escape with their uh, precious rings, mm-hmm. their preciouses, <laughs> and get through. So so we're kind of seeing now the conclusion of book one is now catching up with book two and they're overlapping because we did get to meet the didact with here. We, we see Mendicant Bias, mm-hmm. obviously, and we're starting to figure out what's going on. So what they're going to do is they're going to take this damaged ring back to the portal, back to the Ark to repair it, make it a ring again, mm-hmm. and then they can put it on the finger. Yeah. <laughs> but they also have to repair Chakas. Yes. And, and what we realize is he, he is on his way to become a monitor 
because mm-hmm. they're like your your body's destroyed. Yeah. Your body's destroyed. You have to become a monitor. And this is where it, I I don't know how much I like this is Venera and Riser are basically just written off. We find out they're they're returned to Earth. Heir to Tyrene. They're just returned to Earth, and that's that. Yeah, and the kind of, not afterward, but in some stuff we're going to get to at the end of the book, in the last chapter or so, it's kind of just one of those wrap-up things. Where like, oh, you know, the gang and I, we had some good days. So-and-so got married. So-and-so, you know, stuff like that. It's like, The title screen at the end of every 80s movie. Yes. Like, Riser was returned to Earth, had three kids, yes. lost that's, at sea. <laughs> that's exactly no. what it is. So, yeah, so both of them, we, we do learn, are eventually returned to Earth. But in our present day, it's really interesting. I like this part because Shakas is talking to him, but he realizes he's not in his body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he says, like, he's like, I'm talking, but I don't feel my mouth moving. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't feel anything, yeah. actually, um, which is, like, really crazy to think about. And this is where you're like, oh, like, something's going down. So he he does become a monitor. And for whatever reason, Shakas, who is who is still an unnamed monitor at this point, Mm -hmm. goes with the didact, and they actually go and they find the primordial, Mm -hmm. the the last precursor. And so they describe him. He's like in this time capsule, because that's where we find where he's being held, shooting out of the orifices. I I love any and all parts of the primordial. I I love them so Mm -hmm. much. I, I love this character. It's just so interesting to me, he's the very Lovecraftian-esque monster. But we find out that, you know, when we got this description of, like, the scorpion head and all these limbs, that the primordial is actually this kind of kind of a grave mind, and this is an amalgamation of all of these creatures that it's absorbed. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was so cool and so interesting. So this is where they, they have a conversation. The didact is asking him, like, okay, so there's a cure out there because... You weren't attacking the humans. And he's like, no, that was strategic. He's like, we just didn't. Yeah, because he brings up that there's, you know, we just deemed them that they're going to take the mantle. Like, yeah. like you guys who've kind of reached your peak, you know, mm-hmm. like like you, you're making it, you've had your career, you've done all the stuff, you've peaked. Well, we deem you unfit for this. So we're actually taking you out to let the next group of whatever's Mm-hmm. Rise to the top. Yeah, like the humans will be tested next to see if they're to see if they prove worthy. Mm-hmm. Because he, I believe, he kind of talks about because then, then they kind of bring like, well, what's the difference between the flood and, and what you are? And he's like, well, the flood is precursors, but it's not. But yeah. it is. He's like, there, there's a lot of differences, but there's none at all. He's like, we actually plan to bring everyone together. This is a little weird because he's like, oh, we're waiting for humanity to see if they're responsible for the mantle. But also we're just going to turn everyone into one giant flood yeah, creature. Yeah, because they want unity in the universe. Yeah, and so he's basically saying, like, humans are going to be tested next, but we're also going to take everyone over. So that was a little contradicting. But at that point, it's kind of like... The didact, it's almost out of, like, this silent rage, kind of, like, looks down for a second. He's like, all right, so you, you're you a timeless creature. He's like, but not really timeless. And presses a button, and, like, a billion years mm-hmm. go by in this time capsule, and they watch it. The the last precursor decay. Yeah, just just almost turn to dust. Like, you see mm-hmm. them kind of collapse. It's very much like Prince of Persia, sand monsters type stuff. I, I was thinking of in The Last Crusade when the guy chose poorly when mm-hmm. he was, and he, and mm-hmm. he, he ages and does that. If, if, you, if you kids haven't seen it yet, go watch those movies. They're amazing. But at that point, 
it's it's kind of all said and done, and this is where like we got to prepare for some stuff now. Like we took out this guy, but he's just one piece on this gigantic chessboard right now. Yeah, he he's just like a super old grave mind potentially. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we now know the actual reason all this is happening. So how do we prepare for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, as I as I had said, this is where he says, you know, uh, Venevra and Riser return to Earth. And he's like, and I never saw them again, mm-hmm. which which sucked because it is to a point now. He's like, this is my life. I now serve the forerunners who I hated. I I am, will no longer ever see my friend again or anything like that. Like, this sucks, but that's life. Yeah. And 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 something we didn't really say. It's not that important, but throughout the book, it kind of stops this monitor story and and all of a sudden it's like the only people talking amongst themselves and it it comes to present day halo as we know it yeah like throughout the book and you notice a few times they're trying to tell him to get back on topic and they're like uh he's trying to break into the ship like and the commander's like if he keeps trying like we're getting rid of it we're gonna destroy him and just Mm -hmm. shoot him out shoot him out the trash chute yeah and eventually that's what happens but not before that this monitor gets in the system and takes over. Mm-hmm. And this is where we learn, if it wasn't too terribly obvious, that who we're talking to or who who they were talking to was 343 Guilty Spark. Mm-hmm. And, and something really cool that does happen in the audiobook is Tim Dadabo goes from his regular voice and slowly makes his way into 343 Guilty Spark's voice, which that part was so cool. You're like... And, and I was expecting that because I had knew prior that it was three four three guilty spark. Mm-hmm. But to hear an audiobook, super super cool. Yeah, it's been really amazing because this is how we can get through this on a, on a weekly or bi weekly basis, trying to get through the books. It's really nice to get those little not Easter eggs, but kind of Easter eggs for yeah. actually listening to it and being able to get that aspect of it. I really enjoyed, and it, it's really cool because he continues through with the book, basically stating because because Oni's like, all right, let's let's get out of here. Let's go. We'll shoot it through the trash chute. Our systems aren't working. Are we under attack? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And they're like, oh, uh, bay, these two bays, like, everyone's collapsed. What's going on? And we do learn that 343 has taken over the ship. Mm. And it was like, hey, your AIs were kind of in the way. So I just, like, pushed them to the side. Scooted them down, you know. Yeah. Whatever. I'm uh, I'm going to take control of this, but you guys will be okay. And so he takes the air out of the ship but doesn't kill the people yeah just enough to knock him out because you have to go you know probably like five minutes without oxygen or something yeah wh- whatever it is with that knocks him out because he realizes he now knows potentially the location librarian yeah and that and he he wants to find the librarian because he wants to find the life force of Venevra and riser because he knows okay they were able to do that in the past so i want to be able to bring riser and Venevra back because i i miss them so it's it's so crazy that now that he truly has, like, there is no Halo conflict, there's nothing to live for, we're under the impression in modern-day Halo that the Flood are dead. His now objectives, he just wants to see his friends again. Mm-hmm. Which that, I say, is heartbreaking. And and overall, I liked how this book was wrapped up, though. Yes. So he, he goes on, he says, I know where the librarian is. We're going. To infinity and beyond, whatever. And that's the book. It's great. It's, it, it's a very nice monologue at the end mm-hmm. with the 343 voice and going through that. It, it, is it a nice rap to it? Yeah, and they even add, like, the effect onto his voice and everything. It's awesome. It's perfect. And so before we go into opinions or anything like that, let's move on to a few more sections of these notes in this episode. So release versions, as literally all these books, paperback, 
hardback and audiobook. Moving on from that, let's talk about what this does for the lore itself. So first things first is we learn more about the Primordial and who it really is. Again, one of my favorite parts of the book. Mm -hmm. We find out who 343 Guilty Spark really is, or at least his his origin at this point. An origin we didn't know that he had really. Yeah. 343 Guilty Spark actually survived after the events of Halo 3. We assume that you just took him out with a Spartan laser. Mm -hmm. It's not the case at all. We learn about Menekin Bias's intentions against the Forerunner. So he's trying to rage an all-out war against Mm -hmm. them. Uh, We also learn about humans have ghosts of former humans that live inside them. So, like I said, precursor. If to use a word, uh, for where we see AIs today in Spartans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to wrap it up with a little bit of reception from the GP, the general public, mm-hmm. fans were eager to see where Bear would take the second story of his trilogy, but some felt this one fell even shorter than Cryptum. Though this book would have less information presented to the reader about the backstory of the Forerunners, the pacing was overall slow, and at some points, it seemed like Bear was just filling in the pages in order to release a full book. Regardless of how fans felt, Primordium would make its way to number 17 on the New York Times bestsellers list in hardcover fiction. Of course, because, you know, paperback fiction, that's a different game right there. Oh, totally. It has to be. (laughs) (laughs) And that was on January 7th, 2012. It would also find its way on the LA Times bestselling list for two weeks, appearing at number 16, then 14. Like Cryptum, though, critics were split when it came to their opinion of the book. Some felt it was an improvement, Others felt it was just as monotonous as Cryptum. And of course, to wrap it up, we got to throw some numbers your way. Of course, because not a lot of people give numerical reviews about this. So we rely, these are mainly general public reviews. Barnes and Noble users would give it a 4.4 out of 5. Goodreads users would give it a 3.8 out of 5. Amazon users, 4.1 out of 5. Bacchus would give it a 4 out of 5. Walmart users surprisingly gave it a 4 out of 5 because usually Walmart users are always ranking stuff low for (laughs) Walmart. (laughs) Audible users gave it a 4.6 out of 5. BookBeat would give it a 3.9 out of 5. And Apple Books would give it a 3.5 out of 5. So now, this is the point, as always, we let our hair down. We switch into some sweatpants. We get a glass of wine, and now we say, what do we think about it? And we we, we deal the dish. (laughs) We gossip about it. As always, Alex, I would love for you to start how we felt about this book. Uh, It's rough. I mean, I I, I appreciate, once again, like I said, I appreciate them trying to get into these things, but it was tough to follow at times. Like I said, I would have loved, like they did in, was it Legends, correct, that they did the anime? Mm Mm-hmm. Then they had the evolution of humans, at, at least, or kind mm. of like the idea of how things have sparked. That resonated with me so much more, and I retained so much more information in that, what, like six, seven minute, mm. if that, clip yeah. on those. And it just, the information got to you. You didn't mm. have to have this weird backstory. And if you really wanted this story told, I would have loved just a Guilty Spark story. You know, something that really de- delved into his past. Like, we, we heard, he's like, oh, I was a thief. I was this. That's cool. Oh, anyway, never going to talk about that again. Yeah, you know, make make that a part of the book, like a huge chunk. Well, really dive into the character. I I Mm -hmm. don't. Your dive into the character was, oh yeah, remember me? I'm that guy that was with Bornsteller. I was a thief. Then me and Riser. Now I'm here. Look, woman. Yeah, it was another record scratch. So I bet you're wondering (laughs) how I got here right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, 
A, I mean, I would love another a Legends version of this to help, but of course, when we covered that, Frank O'Connor said it's a one-off, we're never going to get it again. I would still love another one, but it definitely was this situation where this this is probably going to be our shortest book episode. And as you know, we, we don't mind going into detail, and when we remember something, we say it, but a lot of this book was just really monotonous, and it was mm-hmm. just describing going to places. That was it. In my opinion, my theory, not my opinion, my theory is that I really think that they planned a trilogy and then Greg Bear said, I I don't have the information for a trilogy. And I think that's why this book is slow. Well, and a lot of it's not apparent to the reader or listener unless you kind of dive deep into what it means. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what is Hell in a Cell, which is what I call it from now on. (laughs) You know, what is the Palace of Pain? Like... They give hints of like why people go there. They come out different, and you know if if you really dive into it, you kind of figure out what happens there. Mm-hmm. But when you're just reading it as a casual reader, or maybe even as a casual Halo fan, yeah, you have no idea what's going on. They really turned off every casual Halo fan from this trilogy. Yeah, and I mean that's a lot of people and a lot of reviews out there say this is not for casual Halo fans. Like mm-hmm. this is for hardcore fans. Some some reviewers would say, oh well, this is just a general sci-fi book. Yeah, but you got to meet, you know, fans in the middle here. Clearly, books are for the more hardcore fans sure. in general. But there are level of hardcore fans to where then you have to say, okay, if they're willing to read the book, let's make this digestible. Like, look at Nyland's books. The story was overall digestible. How he wrote them sometimes could have been a little sci-fi uh, with all that jib-jab talk of stuff I don't understand. But overall, Nyland would make these stories easy to understand, and uh, along with Bakel, like, yeah. stuff was pretty tangible for the most part. Well, it really was. I mean, look at the same trilogy coming out around the same time. Mm-hmm. You have the Kilo 5 trilogy that is telling this pretty intricate insurrection they're causing within the broken up covenant of the time or basically within the Sangheili mm-hmm. and creating that. Yeah. And and it's told, in my opinion, much more like a bungee flow of a book. And I get, I get it's different. It's action. There's more into mm-hmm. it. But it keeps the reader still understanding what this Sangheili rebellion is going to be, mm-hmm. who's part of it, why there's religious faction as it, you know, yeah. people who still are worshipers and people who are not for foreigner artifacts. Who, who, what's going on with Halsey and that team as well? Yeah, and, and so it, it follows many more characters. It follows time splits. And, like, you go back in time to this rift that they're in while well, they're still ahead of time to, like, try and figure this out. Yeah. But you can still understand it. it I think my biggest issue with this overall, and, and just jumping ahead a little bit, Silentium was pushed back because it did contain some Halo 4 spoilers. That's why it was it was released after Halo 4. Mm-hmm. But my issue with this is that this is supposed to be all these books and everything. They're all supposed to have this huge impact on the mainline story. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me at this point, if you've read this book, you're waiting for Halo 4. We see the didact. He's he comes, he saves uh, uh, Chakus, and now he's like, okay, we're gonna wage this war against the flood. You play Halo Four, and say so you don't find any of the terminals, which a majority of players don't. And all of a sudden, you're like, this guy that was just nice in this book is now not nice in this game and trying mm-hmm. to kill me. Why? Yeah. 
Like, this was supposed to lead up to Halo 4 and give you some backstory to it, but it really didn't. So I think that's one reason why they went with the direction that they did of those terminals, because they went, oh, crap, we aren't going to be able to give that much of a tangible story here if you rely on these books. Again, that's another monster to tackle once we do tackle Halo 4 here soon, but that was just the frustrating part, is that I I had never read these books prior, so people were saying, okay, this was this is the context for Halo 4. I said, Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. As of right now, it's not. We just know who the didact is. We're his motivations. Yeah. And, of course, we'll dive into this with Halo 4, but it's just, it's frustrating. I think the story and the idea of it is good, but I think it, this stuff could have been condensed down into one book, potentially, even two. Well, and especially with 343, like, coming back at fans who are like, I don't understand any of this. They're like, read the books. I did. Yeah, even I, I did the 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 supplementary materials you gave me. I did it. Yeah, they're like it, it's weird because three four three is like oh it'll help you understand four. You don't have to read the books, but you should read the books. But it's like no, I don't. No, I, what I didn't have to read the book to be confused about this. Come on, I uh, a, a different thing is I don't get me wrong. I love the pri the primordial. I think he's awesome. The didact coming back, at least new didact, seems a little cooler. But again, it was one of the situations where it's like Chaka's talked more, but he still didn't give me much personality. Not a lot of people gave me personality in this one. I agree, and I, I know that's your point in the first one. They're really everything's just so deadpan. It feels mm-hmm. like there doesn't feel like there's an emotion towards anything. Like mm-hmm. him getting plugged into the computer at the end, or into silent cartographer. Ouch! Ooh, well, I like that. Ooh, oof! Oh, I'm dead yeah. now. Yeah. Darn. Yeah, and I mean, it's just one of those things, maybe that's that's Bear's writing style. I, I have not read a single other Bear novel other mm-hmm. than these two. They are not trying to convince me otherwise. And by all means, Bear is clearly still a, a very popular sci-fi writer. He has done a lot for the genre, so I acknowledge that as a whole. But I don't like these two books so far. And again, this isn't us saying all 343 and she stuff is bad. We liked Glasslands. Glasslands mm-hmm. was good. It was familiar. And it's okay when you give us some little snippets like they did in Legends. Like, I loved that. Like, okay, tangible. Because this would have been a lot to write about. And so when we're getting something where it's like, granted, these novels are shorter. So I'll take sure. that. But at the end of the day, it's still so much information and you have a book like this where it was just so much monotonous information that we didn't need. Well, and I don't know if you felt the same way. There was plenty of times I was very confused at what our environment really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like was it a desert or we're kind of in a city, we're kind of outside of a city. And, and I get that Halos can kind of contain really whatever they wanted because they're manufactured and you're trying mm-hmm. to like replicate certain aspects of life and, and, and like keep these other things on there. But I also didn't have a reference of time for any of this. Yeah, it was... They slept, what, like three times? It's been a year, it feels like. I have no idea what That's the thing. I, d- I didn't know if it has it been a year, has it been a day. Has it been three days? Can't Like, where was the point where they just say, okay, it's been a week of this travel. Mm-hmm. It's been a month of this travel. And maybe they did, we just missed it, but there was a lot of useless information thrown at us. But I think overall, for me, I'm going to rank it. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to go off. I, I, I bounce back between going off a ranking out of five and a 10, but I'm going to go with a f- uh, ranking out of 10 this point. This one gets a 4.5 or five from me. Yeah. It was rough. I know people are going to like this opinion, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just how we feel overall. I will say this to Halo fans. 
If you want to learn way more and you want to get some nitty-gritty detail about the Forerunners, check out Cryptum, check out Primordium. We're more so complaining about the writing style and how the information is presented mm -hmm. because that's what I dislike most. Yeah, and it's definitely there, and they, they do present it in different undertones that I think work and that you can kind of figure out. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the aspect of like, oh, okay, cool, like these kind of ghosts, quote-unquote, are like these AIs that people can kind of have, and that's brought by the Lifebringer. And, yeah. But now that's kind of transferred over. we seen like Halo 4 and 5 that's kind of dealt with how Cortana yeah. is, stuff like that. So it's really cool with that. But as far as like, I want to sit down, crack a book open, enjoy this time we have during our stay at home, mm -hmm. it's not there. So, I mean, honestly, I'd probably have to give it like seven new belt notches out of one <laughs> chonky Halo. That's it? Yeah, that's it. So seven out of one? So a seven? No, I said seven new belt lot. You don't want that. That's that's a, that's bigger. You don't want that. No, no. Interpret that as you will. But with that being said, that was our Halo Primordium episode. Again, probably the shortest book episode we will ever do. But this was just the best way for us to interpret this information and give it to you. Also, keep in mind... This was a summary just to give you a preview of the overall plot, beginning, middle, and end of the book. We're not saying that what we said is exactly everything that goes on. Detail for detail, line for line, word for word. So please keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. And enjoy it. Like, like, try it out. See how you do. Like, like I said, we've got Audible with this. You can try them out with that, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Check it out. But, of course, this podcast wouldn't be going without our beautiful, mm, amazing, mm, Awesome patrons. So we've said this again. If you've listened to us at the end, we have this. We have a Patreon uh, where we launch some really cool stuff. Post shows, bonus episodes, prints, game nights, private chit chats with us. Like there's plenty of options there. And if there's mm -hmm. anything you guys kind of want, want from us, let us know too. Because we're yeah. always kind of trying to improve that Patreon to give you guys the best experience while also being able to like keep our lights on. So I want to thank those people right now. We've got Angry Canadian, Bretton Bagley, Charles Zitter, Cowan Fung Feliciano, DGamer1298. Duststorm, Francis, Grant Dillon, Harvey Chong, James Yervasi, Jonas, Colonel Panic, Tactics, Dragonfire, Mr. Choff, Pasquale Orozco, Skyjack, and ZZ Slipaway. So these are some of the amazing patrons that we have. We're getting really close to having, well, to having to do our Halo CE Legendary run. Hmm. Please make us do that but please don't because then i'm stuck with jesse through a legendary run <laughs> so we'll have that but just want to say thank you guys really appreciate it yeah and as always you can find us on any and all podcast platforms if there is one that we are not on for any reason please let us know and we will try our hardest to get on there and of course we're on youtube where you can subscribe to us there but we're also on instagram facebook and twitter so go follow us or like us on any and all of those platforms we do appreciate it and to wrap this all up please if you're going to leave us any kind of rating go do it on itunes it helps us with the rank rankings and we appreciate it more than anything and with that i'm your host jesse reiners and i'm your host alex kendall and thank you for tuning in to finish the fight a halo podcast <laughs>